Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC A25. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we'll get to the debacle at Wells Fargo Center in a little bit with, uh, with our man Keith Pompey shortly, but I know you've been sitting around all week watching the schedule leaks that have been coming out for the NFL and and writing down you what you think every team's record will be. Uh, were you waiting with bated breath when they were released last night? So so it's either sarcasm that I hear or <laughs> I, I would never have I would never because I could I would never ever have sarcasm when I was speaking to you. Yeah, well you, you know how much I hate this. <laughs> I know the, the, the fact that they drip out schedule days is ridiculous <laughs> in order to create buzz that really is not there guess, it's a schedule people guess who's like that the fact that anybody why would anybody sit around waiting for well you do but but then you sit around <laughs> wa- wa- watching any piece of sports news this is not news the schedule comes out in every sport it comes out in our jobs it comes out in our lives <laughs> It's a schedule, people. I mean, if you want to get excited about the fact that, that, that who's playing who on what given date, find something better to do. Get excited when it's football season for going to the games. That's what you get excited to go. I'm not going to sit here because I know what you want to do because you did it right before we got on the air, which is you want to sit there and analyze which games are away, who's going to be this far, who's going to have the shortest days, who, which one is the hardest and easiest strength of schedule based on last year when players have changed, people have been drafted, and none of it really matters. But, hey, let's all figure out, let's sit around and predict whether or not the Eagles are, are going to be plus or above or below nine and a half wins or ten and a half wins based on nothing that we know. Do you feel better? I I do. <laughs> well, no, I I felt I felt better before I had to talk about this. I uh, just think it's a whole lot of nothing. Ooh, should I get excited about the fact that Jacksonville is going to be playing two games in London this year? I'm I'm more interested at, at how the Eagles' schedule shakes out, like when they play. They only have three games that start at 1 p.m. this year. They they're you're allowed a maximum oh, no. of six primetime games. The Eagles have five yeah. if you count Christmas Day. They play at 4:30. There's six they've got six others scheduled for the late window 425 or later i'm not saying it's a bad thing it's just a fact about what the schedule is it does look like they have a really oh tough... and congratulations to the c- congratulations on the nfl deciding that they need christmas day now oh okay. so, not only do they need christmas day that is wait wait hold on traditionally the 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 christmas day is for the nba for the NFL now to say we're going to be playing a bunch of games on Christmas Day, it, it, come on, really? Is it really? Do we have to? Do they have to sit there and just be a shadow over everything else? Yes, they do, and they actually did a complete holiday takeover. The triple header on Thanksgiving Day. There's a Black Friday right. game. There's a full slate on Christmas Eve. There's a triple header on Christmas Day, and a game on New Year's Eve. They have the whole the week is Christmas. By the way, what day of the week is Christmas Day this year? Uh, well, Saturday the twenty. It's not a Sunday, right? No, the... right. So they, they go ahead. Saturday is. The it's 25th. not a Sunday. No, it's not a yeah, Sunday. It's it's not a so so they they didn't have to do this. They could just leave us alone for one day and let basketball have its day. You just don't like. I football. mean, it, it's you don't it's like just fun. not necessary. <laughs> 
if, if you want to do it for Black Friday, hey, that's great because for those people that don't want to go shopping, perfect. That'll Have probably be an Amazon game. So that, that'll probably be an Amazon game so that people can complain that they can't watch it over the TV. No, 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 no. There, <laughs> there's no way that Amazon wants a football game on on Black Friday unless you can shop at the bottom of the screen. I think that's what will happen. Which, They'll do which, cross by the way, I just if they didn't think of it yet. I want credit for that. They'll do cross promotion. They can advertise their specials for Prime Day and for Black Friday during the And you the can game. click the link at the bottom of the screen to just buy with one click. <laughs> oh, I love how worked up you get over this stuff. I enjoy it and I'm part of the problem. NFL. You like revolt against it. You 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 don't just like let it occur. You're like, I don't understand. Why does it have to be oh, this? I let, I let it occur with like complete just ignoring the fact that it ever happens like I, I will wait until the schedule comes or better yet when the team sends me the schedule i'm happy like that's what i did i got an email that had the schedule and instead of having to sit there and go oh today they said that the game's going to be on this date Ooh, game three is going to be a... i just waited till i got an email that had the whole schedule you're just cooler than the rest and of guess us. what and guess what i spent two minutes on it i did not sit around going hmm you know what when they play uh washington on game on week seven the chances of them winning after being only having six days. The, mm, there are people who out. plan their vacations around this. There are people who are into that kind of stuff. I just, get you don't have to yuck thing. someone else's yum. Why can't you let other people enjoy stuff? My goodness, Jeff. It it's the beginning of May. <laughs> if anybody, I don't think anybody's planning their travel to well, Washington. If they now. watched the Sixers game last night, they needed something else to take them away from that. Why don't we well, leave our you're schedule? Not, you're wearing, you're, you're, well, I'm assuming everybody planned their travel to Boston based on the fact that it's the Sixers. Let's leave our conversation there and bring on our man, Keith Pompey, to talk about what happened last night. Sixers had their shot last night, man. They definitely had their shot. Keith Pompey, you were down at, their, at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, tell me what I witnessed last night. You witnessed a beatdown, bro. <laughs> no, it was it was it was bad. Uh, the the thing about it is, I'm gonna be uh, honest with you guys. When I when when I heard the crowd, I was like under the impression that the Sixers were going to kill them, and I was telling people like, "Yo, the Sixers are going to destroy this team." And next thing you know, like four minutes in, they're down they're down twelve, and I'm like, "What's going on?" <laughs> right? I mean, the, the Sixers didn't get the memo, so then all of a sudden you're like, "Okay, but Jason Tatum." They're struggling. The Sixers are going to come back. They're going to come back. They're going to do something. And what we witnessed was a choke job. That's what we witnessed. We witnessed the 76ers having a chance to pull off a thrilling victory in front of the home crowd, a chance to exercise some demons. Now, they still can do it in game seven, but they had a chance to adorn it in Philly where Philadelphia was lit. And I've been to a lot of playoff games. That was the loudest I've been to in pregame. And no other way to describe it than they choked. I'm sorry, they choked. They choked. All right. Well, well, he, to me, the big stat is the last four minutes of the game, the reigning MVP of the NBA doesn't touch the ball. Mm -hmm. Whose fault is that? I think it's collective. I think that he needs to be more give me the ball, give me the ball. Because if you notice, there was one point, and I believe it was in the third quarter, where Tobias Harris, Joel was standing underneath the basket and, and he had a, a favorable matchup. And Tobias swung the ball outside. 
and it was a turnover or whatever the guy and then going down he let Tobias have it he needed to do that late in the game give me the ball I am the MVP he had to but also you got to blame the coach because it comes to a point in time where you got to start running some plays where stuff is going to go to this guy because the thing is they're down nobody's making shots we all know Joel is a um is a, is drawing the foul waiting to happen so you give him the ball if he gets in spot he does that move wherever he swings his arms and then all of a sudden he goes to the foul line right they needed something to give him a lift so i'm blaming him for not like being more active and i'm blaming the coach for not getting him the ball I got to understand what Doc was doing last night. And I mean, you know, I've been the critical one on this show about that and questioning. But in all honesty, I've texted Jeff throughout this series. I thought that he had done a better job at times than Joe Missoula. Last night, I have no idea what he was doing from his rotations. Hold on not- a second. Game five, you you literally sent me a text saying Doc's going to get fired. Okay. The funny the thing was you won. were in something and it was when they lost the eight point lead before overtime. By the time you saw it, they had won the game. But I had okay. given him credit you, you to go you back previously. to your question. I, I just still, wanted to point out that the game they won, you texted. Don't worry. Be I'm going to get go uh, when, after we get through what happened last night. I'm going to get to Doc in game mm-hmm. seven and we can look at the disaster that that is. But Doc in game six, I don't understand what he did with his rotations. He's got the Anthony Melton playing about 17 minutes. Can't shoot anything in the first three quarters. Puts him in the fourth quarter. He misses three, four shots that lead to fast breaks. Tobias Harris plays 41 minutes, puts up two points. His last shot in the game was six minutes left in the second quarter. George Niang was the only person hitting shots last night, doesn't get on the floor. P.J. Tucker comes in and out. What was Doc doing? Yeah, I didn't understand that one either. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to take up for Tobias a little bit. Now, Tobias was horrendous shooting the ball in the first quarter. No, but where I'm going to take up for him at is you got to get the guy after a while when you see stuff not working, you got to get people involved. Like he didn't even touch the ball. He was just a one-way player. I mean, they might as well, for last night, they might as well say, hey, Matisse, uh, is there any way you want to come back for a game? Why, why didn't Doc you, you me, Why didn't huh? Doc draw up a play for him to get him that's involved? That's what I'm saying. You got to draw up. A, you got that's, that's You're right. You got to draw up a play for him, and they didn't draw up a play for him. So he just became a one-way player. Now, now here's the thing. In regards to Melton, I didn't understand that one. You know, P.J. Tucker, what was he, like three for something yeah. uh, um, from the field? So P.J. Tucker's out of the game. You're like, oh, oh. Then all of a sudden I stand up and I'm looking down on the bench to see if I see P.J. And I'm looking at my phone to see if the PR staff sent something saying P.J. was hurt. Now, again, I know that P.J. doesn't score a lot of points. But PJ, if we learned one thing about him, he's the emotional leader of this team, at least in the in the in the playoff, right? Getting in that Joel's face, getting guys up. He can't help him from being on the bench, especially when Melton was struggling. And then so you say to yourself, well, George Niang comes in and he gives you a lift. Well, sometimes they say you got to ride the hot hand, right? Keep going to him. He they didn't. Now, again, I get it. You say they're attacking them on the defense, but I felt like they stuck with DeAnthony Melton too long. And like you said, his misses led to fast breaks the other way, and they were some bad misses. 
you know, um, and wide and open, bad, message. wide open message. Yeah. And that one guy was like divine Gibbons with him and I on our podcast. He's like, no, nah, he wasn't wide open. I'm like, yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> and, and so the, the thing is, you know, you look at it and you say to yourself, like, wow, you're going to bring PJ in with 324 left. And you guys lost all the momentum. This guy been sitting on the bench for a while. He's probably upset because he hasn't been in the game. And now help us put out this fire. And to me, and then what? A minute later, he just called off the dogs and was just like, oh, we lost. You know, so to me, it was kind of like a waste. It was really a waste. It was a waste. You know, when you go through this rotation, the one, I'm just listening. You're you're on a roll. But, but. You know, you, we look at this rotation, and one of the guys that the Sixers traded for was McDaniel's. He played one minute, one yeah. minute. We yeah. we got him for one minute in Game Six. Like, why it, he either he's healthy and can play, which is he played, so he's healthy enough to play. If he's healthy enough to play, why is he not getting any play? I think they they, they soured on him, and and well, I don't think they soured on him after his struggles in Game Three. It was a time he had a bad game, and then after that, that's when they went to D House. Oh no! Before they went to D House, they just went to nine guys, right? And then mm-hmm. no, not nine. They went to eight guys. So then the all guys. of a sudden, so then all of a sudden, it's one of those things. They go to D House, and then I guess they didn't like what D House did because D House did miss a couple shots. They run out, but see, I think the problem what they were doing is you can't have these guys playing on eggshells. Because D House is going to miss shots, but at the same time, he's going to, you got him out there, he's going to play with some energy, right? Now, the thing is, nothing against Melton. I like Melton, but he was the one that you stuck with when he was the one struggling. You know what I mean? He wasn't bringing any energy, he wasn't doing anything. So it was just a bad performance all around um, by the players and the coaches. All right. The big star that we had to get. That the, the general manager spent years trying to bring here. His line is 13 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, four for 16 shooting, zero for six from three pointers with five turnovers. Is, is, this, is this the legacy that James Harden is going to live now? Better hope he hopped on a plane to Vegas after the game last night before Sunday. <laughs> you guys <are> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, hey, by the way, you know, Jason and I will disagree about a lot of things, but the fact is he's only stating a fact. It's not uh, like James Harden at the beginning of the series didn't go out to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but look, the thing is going to Vegas might might work for him right about now. Look, right? I'll, I'll take it. I'll take anything right now. Yeah, I mean, go, to, go ahead, bro. But anyway, so, so here's the deal. I mean, I think like, to be honest with you, I thought their new lineup was going to benefit him, the defensive lineup that they had, but it looked like it hindered him a little bit because now these guys, their guards were Brown and uh, Tatum. They didn't have, and then whenever they switch, now when they switch, then you got Rob Williams on or someone like that, right? So I felt right. like it was a tough matchup for them. Um, the problem is, like, they just got physical and 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 they should have known better, even James. They should have known that Boston was a desperate team and they were going to come at you and they were going to do stuff. The thing I didn't like is like they're, they're, they were complaining about the fouls and all this stuff and the officiating. But the thing about James is, you know, James, unfortunately, 
you know, James will have a good game, then he'll have a bad game. I mean, under a couple of days. Now, the thing is, I think we were uh, people were a little lucky or a little fortunate to see him have back-to-back good games, and then he had a bad. I mean, but if you notice, they speed him up, they get in his way, they try to do things, and and they and they and they and the thing is, he's not getting the calls that he used to get, so he's not getting to the foul line, so they're just stripping him, and um, I don't know, man, I, you know. It, it, it just looked bad. It was a bad performance. It shocks me they didn't expect that because I was actually looking out. I was worried they were going to have Scott Foster on the game because he hadn't ref the night before. So when I saw the refs come out, you saw the commentary. It was a let them play crew before the game. You knew what you were going to get in that game on every level. And you saw sort of a little bit of a disagreement afterwards between Doc and Harden. Doc said it was a lack of trust. Harden said, it's simple, it's not trust, we just have to make a couple shots, we celebrate different ballgame. Is it? <laughs> you know what I took it as? Lack of trust means we playing hero ball. Uh, with Who was the hero? <laughs> I guess, I get, with lack of trust means they're not passing the ball, they're not doing this, all of, I guess the ball was sticking. And, I, and, and what James is saying is, because they always... What James is saying is, nah, what we did, there's nothing wrong with that. We just didn't make shots. And to me, that's alarming. Because basically, you're saying, like, the coach is saying, no, you got to move the ball. And he's coming back and saying, nah, bro, <laughs> we just didn't make shots. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, I didn't I didn't. That makes like, no, that makes no sense, though. Keith, it, it makes no sense that for, for – for Harden to say it's not a lack of trust when you he didn't he's the point guard he yeah. didn't pass the ball one time to Embiid in the last four minutes of a game six at home that's a lack of trust and it's playing what you're calling hero ball Harden wanted to be the hero instead now he's the goat and not the greatest of all time goat yeah it was bad it was bad it was bad. I mean, it was a it was a bad it was a bad display. I mean, I, I think, but I, you, I'm not just going to blame him. I mean, a lot of people laid clunkers in which was supposed to be the biggest game of their careers. You know what I mean? Which was the biggest game of their careers thus far? It was the first time in this playoffs that it looked like the moment was too big for any of them. Some of them just looked like they were kind of overwhelmed. I mean, just looked off from the start. I, but I, it takes us to Sunday. The pressure on the players, the pressure on the coach. I'll ask the pressure on Doc. Uh, I mean, people know this is his 50th time in a Game 7 opportunity to close out. He's 17-32. and 32. He's 6-9 and nine all times in Game 7. He hasn't won a Game 7 since 2015 and has never won a Game 7 on the road. How much pressure is on Doc here for this team to win this game? A lot. And it was always pressure. Because when you think of Doc and you hear Doc say, I mean, you ask him like legitimate questions. Hey, Doc, how big would it be for you guys to get out of the second round? Oh, we don't think about that, man. We're worrying about winning championships. You know that that's a Philly thing. You know that the Sixers haven't been out of out of out of the second round since I was a uh, uh, playing in the league, which is true, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But basically, everyone knows that he hasn't been out of the second round for a long time either. And is also this is on his watch, right? 
So the monkey off your back. We all know that. That's you know you got to get the monkey off your back. So this is a big, huge, um, you know, moment for him. So at the same time, so now we're talking about before they even get to Game Seven. Now, not only that, like the one stat that you didn't bring up, and you brought up a lot of stats, is that he's lost nine consecutive closeout games. Nine consecutive closeout games in the second round, right? You know, um, I think is that a record? Yeah, yeah, it's a record. It's a record. <laughs> He holds Nine a lot of records for futility in closing yeah. out series in Game Seven, yeah. Jeff. Nine consecutive he, he, in, the, in, in, in the in the second round. He's so. lost four more Game Sevens than any other head coach. Yep, yep. Now you you may say Doc players, I get longer, it. You know, but you may say he coached longer than people, right? So you know, you're going to have mm-hmm. that number is going to be you know this and that. But when you say the one thing he says nine consecutive closeout games he lost them so yes the pressure is huge especially going back to Boston and then you're going back to Boston and you're saying to yourself man I can't believe we let these this team off the hook because Jason Tatum has been horrendous this series he only turned around he had two pretty good games well one good game and then he had a good fourth quarter and that was the last Mm -hmm. game right so you have to believe that this guy like, whoa, I got my mojo back. And he's going to come out guns a-blazing, so to speak, right? With so, 525 left in the fourth quarter, he had seven points, and five of them were from the line. He finished hitting four three-pointers and outscored the Sixers in the fourth quarter, 16-13. to 13. You let yeah, them see, off the hook. Bad. That's bad. That's bad. I mean, I, you know what? I thought he was Ohio State guy going up against Michigan for a second. Ah, there it is. Keith. Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't even wait for the end. You just decided to go right there. What are we going to see on Sunday? This isn't just a, a doc um, history of futility. The, the Sixers are 6-9 six and nine in Game 7s throughout franchise history. They've lost three straight Game 7s and are 2-4 and four against the Celtics. Um, you know... I want to be hopeful. Jeff hasn't had confidence all series. He's told me not to have hope all along. All series? I <laughs> all season. Before the season <laughs> yes. started. This, this, is, this is where it ends. This is where it always ends. And to me, the question is, is if it ends on Thursday, on Sunday, does that mean this is the end of the process? Can we now call it a complete and utter failure if, the, if it ends it with another second round exit? I mean, I done already buried the process two years ago. People got mad at me. <laughs> I kind of revisited it again in today's paper. I mean, <laughs> talking about it, and they're, they're mad at me. I mean, the process, is, it was a failure. I think this was a reboot, but this is kind of like, it's weird, man. It's kind If they go out there, you got to look at the Sixers, and, and I'm, I'm saying this kind of playfully, but, but also seriously. They're kind of cursed. Like, you know, like they're like, – the, there's a moniker, the same old, like the same sorry, but team, right? I mean, you look at it because this was supposed to be the season, like 54 wins. You got the MVP, first team all league. James Harden leads the league in assists, you know, and at one point during the season, they were the hottest basketball team, right? You They got the vaunted um, Boston Celtics on the ropes, 
if you look at it, what could come, if you look at it, if they could win, what could come next? You've already got the one seat out. And if they were to advance, they'd have home court for the finals. This is their chance. Exactly. They got everything. And then all of a sudden. Throw a clunker. Second round exit again. So it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, think about it. Like you say to yourself, you mean to tell me you got rid of Brett Brown. You upgraded this roster. You got James Harden. You done traded Ben Simmons. Okay, Ben Simmons is struggling. But you got James Harden, a guy who's been flirting with, with the Houston Rockets since since he's been, I mean, since the season started. And you're going to lose that. You're going to lose all these other things, all that, just for another second-round exit. You know what I mean? The only thing that's different is they just got more high-profile players. But they all do the same stuff. They choke in the big games. If they lose. Now, if they win, people are going to be like, hey, 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 finally did it. But if they lose, if I'm Josh Harris, the owner, I got to think long and hard what I'm trying to do moving forward because it's not working. It's not. It it just didn't work. Oh, he's already got a plan. It's called by the commanders. And leverage the Sixers is debt for that, by the way. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that that's one of the things that the NFL is looking at, that he has for the, the debt financing has put the Sixers and the Devils in with the commanders, which uh, I don't know. What are you doing, man? It's my team. <laughs> I mean, it's your team, but it's my team. So he's, he's, so he's pimping his squad. That's what I read earlier. You could look more into that, but I, I mean, he had a bad night the other night. He lost the Devils and the, the Sixers. I don't really care about the Devils. I care about the Sixers though. Um, but yeah, I All right, just, well, well, so be, be, before we go to the, the rest of the league, cause there are other games that are probably more exciting. When it comes to Game 7, will the Sixers come out even tighter than they came out in Game 6? Or are they going to come out with, uh, we got nothing to lose and everything to gain here and just come out gangbusters? No, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know, man. Because, you know, here's the thing. You would think, and going by past history, you would say, yeah, they would come out tight, right? They would come out tight. Mm -hmm. They would do whatever they can. But we always were saying to ourselves that this year is different. This is a different season. Like they finally got over these uh, this hurdle, so to speak. They're, they're playing better. They're doing everything. And nothing that we saw yesterday said that. They went back and they looked like the same old Sixers. So that's the biggest question mark. And it, 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 maybe that's why everybody was so concerned when they went to Boston for game five because you didn't know what you were going to expect. Like you were so excited because – you're hearing that this team changed, but then all of a sudden it's like, you know what the history is like. So then you got comfortable in game six and then the old Sixers show back up. So maybe they may feel like we have nothing to lose and they may come out and play freely and the pressure could be on Boston. But I think the pressure is still on the Sixers. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because they were up three, two. So I don't know. That's a great question, Jeff. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It concerns me because this would be the fourth playoff series loss where the Doc had a 3-2 lead. Did it three times with the Celtics. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the NBA playoffs. The Nuggets closed out last night, blowing out the Suns on the road. Second year in a row that the Suns have lost by almost 30 at home. I guess I could say it is an improvement. They got blown out by less at home than the previous like 25. year. Um, 25. <laughs> yeah, it's ugly. It wasn't, it was, they were down by 30 at the half. It wasn't close at any point during the game. Uh, then you got the Knicks and the Warriors both forcing Game Sixes. So, well, wait, wait, wait! Don't just don't just skate by that game. The, the, 
This is what everybody seems to be doing with the Denver Nuggets is just for, okay, it's the Nuggets. Like nobody seems to be giving them a shot. I think they're going to end up in the finals. They just took care of the team that was supposed to be the odds on favorite in the West to get to the finals once Kevin Durant got there. Well, the question for for me, they were the favorites. I never thought they. Oh, were the every Jeff well, did. you yeah. didn't, but all Keith that's all I kept heard, hearing from Keith the, has said the Warriors are his favorites, but Jeff thought the yeah, but Nuggets. right, but but the talking heads were all saying Kevin Durant to Phoenix. Now it's the whole thing. Well, what we found out was Chris Paul once again got hurt, which is what he always does in the playoffs. No matter how good he is, this is what happens. And DeAndre Ayton might be the second softest player behind Ben Simmons in the NBA. Yeah, like, that was bad. This was just bad. keeps happening. Like, the, yeah. like we knew they the Suns didn't even want to sign him to that big deal because they were concerned about this, and he didn't play with a rib contusion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had a bruised rib. <laughs> yeah, but um, here, here's the deal: I never thought that that team was going to be that good anyway. Phoenix. I mean, I feel like Phoenix had a a nice young core. Uh, I get it that um Jay Crowder wanted to leave. But I felt like they should have traded him earlier and got someone and built it. Now, the thing is, the crazy part is, and it's something else people were debating about last night. You know, the crazy part is you look at it and you say to yourself, like, so y'all gave up all these draft picks mm-hmm. and you got you got a, a for Kevin Durant and y'all still lost and still got blown out. Right. You know what I mean? And now you look at it and you're saying, wow, Brooklyn. <laughs> Okay, good, because now what they're talking about, now Phoenix is talking about we're trying to trade Chris Paul. We're going to try to shop Chris Paul. So you're like, so you How are you going to trade? Who's, who's going to take Chris Paul exactly. at, at his That's advanced age with the amount of injuries he has? He can't make it through a season, and it's not, it's not he's a great player, but, you know, your body starts to break down, and his I mean, breaks down. Here's the thing, how many playoff. draft picks do you have? Like, uh, you know, maybe, um, I don't know. Like Houston could use them as a rental, and then if there's oh god, team, Chris Paul and James again, Harden again, you want well, yeah, you, well, you want to go back? You want to roll it back? If, if Harden's not there, I'm just this is what I'm thinking. See, what typically yeah. happens is a guy like that, you get him as a rental, and then he's there, mm-hmm. and then like there's a team that's going playing, and they need a point guard to win a championship, and then you ship them there for some draft picks, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but it's to me, it's kind of like. You guys like did went all in and got rid of your young pieces because Chris Paul and and Kevin Durant is not going. They're not going to be there long. But you had Devin Booker and you had these two other young guys who could have been great pieces moving forward. But you got rid of them and you gave the team draft picks for them for like who basically essentially your second and third best players. You got rid of mm-hmm. those two. For for uh for uh for Kevin Kevin Durant. Now get me wrong. If you win a championship, is a great move. But then he gets hurt, and then it's like you look at it. They don't have any depth. And uh, you know, I still don't think Denver's the team to beat. Um, but they put it on them. They put it on them. The Knicks going to be able to force a game seven. Warriors going to be able nah, to force a game over, seven. Both nah. of those series over tonight. Um. I hope so, because that means that the Sixers game seven is going to be at three thirty. I hope so. <laughs> it but, could be um, a Mother's Day massacre at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow! Yeah. Look at wait you you you're hoping that so the game's earlier. It's yeah. either three thirty or eight, depending on. Yeah, congratulations! Welcome to old people land. <laughs> He's like, you know when I have to file my story for an eight o'clock game. <laughs> you are literally making your decisions based based on making sure you can get the better of huh? Yeah, you're right. You're right about. That. I mean, yeah. come on, uh-huh. man. Like you know, like you done that story yet? Uh, give me a couple. Give me a couple minutes. So, uh, like, so, so how many how many stories get written by you and others if the Sixers lose games? Seven and Jimmy Butler's in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh God, the pain. Wow, I think you just gave me a call. <laughs> Ooh, it, it is good. It, it's going to be the most painful thing to Philadelphia Sixer fans is once again if Jimmy Butler. No, more painful would be more, the Sixers. more painful would be when Jimmy Butler eliminates the Sixers in the next round if they were both advanced. That you could know, be I, more I, but painful. If the Sixers would advance, I, if they do advance, I think they'll get Jimmy. I do. I do. Well, maybe not, but, but I, I do. I do. I never. Who's, who's going to guard him? Who, assuming, assuming if the Sixers make it to the next round, assuming they know to pass the ball to Embiid, who exactly is going to guard Embiid <laughs> on the Heat? Apparently, question. that's a big assumption now with this team. I never had that worry yeah, before. I mean, I, I said a whole bunch of assumptions there, but I still can't figure out how you don't see the seven see, foot the tall guy on the floor. The, the problem is that. Uh, Jason starts drinking that Kool-Aid. I do. Look, I fall hard, Keith. Jeff is more skeptical. I want love. Jeff wants a date and a good night out. And yeah, I'm also drinking something a lot harder than his Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's how I get through the games. <laughs> Keith Pompey, we look forward to seeing what you put out there. Jeff, you got anything else before we let him go? I already got you worked out about well, the schedule. I'd like, I'd like to know what the prediction is for, for Game 7. Oh, I got or do we have to wait for your column to get that? Nah, oh. I, got, I have Boston winning. I have Boston winning. Thanks, I Jeff. Think. Is it close? Is it close, or can we just Mother's Day we can <laughs> pass? Go let's plant some say, flowers instead of watching the game. May run out. The Sixers may run out of timeouts early. <laughs> like nah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think it could be close, but I just don't know, dude. I I lost some faith in them after last night. I should I shouldn't say that, but I have. The rest I mean, of us did concerned. too. I just think it's going to be. I think they blew their opportunity. I mean, who knows? They can come out and, and show us something. And we're like, oh, you can never put a finger on this team. Because this team, let's keep it real. The Sixers are known. when they, You know what? The way that I feel the Sixers are going to win. Because what the Sixers are known for, they're known for when you believe and you have 100% confidence in them like Jason had. They stomp they on your heart. You down. <laughs> but then whenever you say, I'm done with them, and people are ready to burn the jerseys and do whatever, and then all of a sudden they win. That's so, been this whole but, series on text message for me with Jeff. Just this so, swing on the pendulum of emotions yeah. there. So with that being said, the Sixers win Game Seven. All right, I'll take that. All right, well, I'll leave it there. Well, then I'm going to ask you for one more prediction before you go. If the Sixers do lose Game Seven, what are the odds that James Harden comes back next season? Uh man, yeah zero, but <laughs> yeah yeah zero. I don't think there's much chance he comes back, even if they do win. That's just that's just me, Keith Pompey. People can follow you at Pompey on Sixers. Read your stuff in the Inquirer. Thanks for always giving us some time, man. Uh, I don't know. Do I hope you get the early game? Whichever whichever leads to a Sixers game win is what I hope you get, Keith. 
Yeah, because I got this. I have a, a six o'clock flight the next morning, so I want the early game. All right, I want the early game. If the Sixers could honor Keith's plans, he'd appreciate that. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, thanks, y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm going to try to keep my head up. I'll take Keith's last selection of the Sixers. Uh, it was just puzzling last night on every wait, wait, wait. single. So, level. so you're excited now that his no. selection of the Sixers. I'm no, pensive. remember, I don't have hit. hit his intelligent response, the one where he knows basketball, <laughs> was to say the Celtics are going to win. Then then when pushed, he said, well, you know what? The Sixers never seem to do what we expect. No, when given so statistics. It, since we expect and them to lose, when, then, then they're going to win. When given statistics and facts, he rethought his opinion as how I prefer to convey it. <laughs> no, that's that's not the way it was. But if, if it makes you feel better until Sunday, go ahead and feel better. They're just I mean, gonna, uh, they miracles just have, can happen. They just have the potential but, but to ruin the way they every performed, single Mother's Day at three thirty. If that game starts, you then. know, you know, you you want to blame Doc Rivers on this? To me, this is on James Harden. He's the point guard. He's the guy that should be getting the ball to Embiid. And yeah, Embiid should be yelling louder, I guess. But he's seven foot two. You could just pass it to him. He's he's pretty visible. How do you miss somebody that big on the floor for four minutes at the end of a deciding clutch? Uh, because game? James, because James Harden wanted to shoot. Because James Harden went back to, it, it. It's about James Harden. That's what happened. That yeah. that you can sum up. There's a lot of things that went wrong in that game. But at the end of the game, what happened was James Harden went back to being old James Harden, which is to chuck it up. And James Harden in the playoffs chucks it up and misses. Yeah, that's it was, what it's about. It was extremely disappointing last night. Let's leave it there. Plenty of basketball talk. Uh, let's move to some NHL talk. Uh, the draft happened first. The Flyers did not win the draft lottery. The, the Blackhawks did. And within 12 hours of getting the top pick, they sold over $5 million in season ticket packages. The Flyers <laughs> were probably hoping that would happen to them. Instead, they get the seventh pick, but they do decide that Former Heart of Sports guest Keith Jones is going to be the new team president. Danny Briere becomes the full-time general manager. Uh, your thoughts on the new flyer structure? Well, I, look, I, I think that Keith is, he's the kind of guy that has a kind of mind that would, is going to be good for that role. It's not going to sell $5 million worth of tickets, though. So, you know... The, that's the problem now is the flyers have the seventh i think the seventh pick in the draft yeah. it's supposed to be a deep draft but i've sent you in the last couple of weeks what the flyers have done with their draft picks over the years and and more importantly who they've missed on during that period of time and it's scary so you got to hope at a minimum they don't do as bad as they did before and that they have the right guys in place to evaluate talent if Daniel Briere is relying on the same talent evaluators. It ain't going to get any better. You got to hope that they're surrounding themselves with the right pieces to get the right pieces. Is there enough experience in that front office? Keith Jones obviously knows the history of the Flyers having played here. He's seen the decline of the Flyers having called the games. He's been around the league being a national broadcaster. He's well-regarded is is Keith Jones prepared for what will happen? I'm, look, I'm, he can't be worse than Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> that's, that's all I keep saying to myself about Danny Briere. Yeah, and I know. Keith that, Jones. And that you, that's I know what I'm that hanging my. saying that. Like, can it? Like, it can't be. It just, at least it, Keith Jones will make be. moves. It, it won't be as bad, but, but I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time. I mean, yeah, they have a goalie, 
Um, they have some pieces if they don't decide to trade those pieces, but it is, and they tried to be an, it's not going to be an overnight success. They tried to say that in the press conference that it's going to take time. Uh, I don't know whether the mm -hmm. fans will give them that time. Maybe they'll give them the first year no, because okay. the there's fans new have no people. Well, I know the fans. The are, well, the the fans can continue speaking you with their go, wallets. But nobody, they're not going anyway. Exactly. They'll just have fewer people going. Not that that will lead the team mm -hmm. to do different things per se. They're going to execute their plan as it is. I hope it's better. Mean, because... Meanwhile, there's meanwhile meanwhile there's teams like Carolina that end up in. I think they're in the Eastern Conference Finals now. It, yep. it's they eliminated the Devils. How does that happen? It's uh, look, it, you get teams like that. The Devils were a year ahead. They're they're going to be even better this year. The Flyers are very far behind, and that becomes more clear watching the playoffs. They still play a different brand of hockey than the teams that are succeeding in the playoffs. They don't have the depth. They don't have the speed. They don't have what it takes right now, and I don't know that that turns around in one year to give them the it. Devils the Devils have been, to their credit, so good at the pieces that they bring in over the years while the Flyers have been going in the opposite direction. Do you realize the Devils, as good as they were this year, drafted a guy who then came, finished his college season and a week or so later was contributing to the end of the season and then in the playoffs. Yeah, the Flyers haven't had that. Which which Flyers guy, well, the Flyers haven't been in the playoffs to have anybody contribute, but which one of their guys has been that good that they could contribute even in the regular season right away, let alone years later? Yeah, the, the Flyers just it's haven't had that. And look, I... You know, I'm a hockey fan. I like it better when the Flyers are a good and relevant team. I, I think it's better for the city and it's better for hockey when their teams are relevant. And I don't view the Flyers. All right, Mr. Ho All right, Mr. Hockey fan. What did Pietro, I can't even pronounce his name, Petra, Pietro Angelo, whatever his name is. I wasn't, su I wasn't surprised night. he got suspended. I wasn't surprised. And you think one game's enough when it was, when it, to me, it was clearly evident that they were trying to, to take out. The, the guy who was scoring at a ridiculous pace for the Oilers. I was surprised that he only got one game. I thought it was kind of targeted. I mean, look, they'll say it's hockey and it's the playoffs and it's tough, but I, I thought that one was kind of a run at it. It's been a fun series, though, that, that Oilers-Vegas. Yeah, if you can stay up late enough cool. to watch the games, then it's worth watching. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's definitely entertaining hockey. You know, the... Uh, the Dave Haxtell's the Flyers' old coach, the Seattle Kraken are out there playing well against the Dallas Stars. And, I mean, the Dallas Stars, you had sent me, you want to talk about a team that's drafted well, their core mm -hmm. came through the draft. You've sent me Ettinger pick, some of the other picks that they've made. The Flyers just haven't had that, and they need that. Three, three of the guys from the one draft where Nolan Patrick was drafted number two. So three guys that were drafted below him. Are the foundation are of Dallas. The, are, are the foundation of the Dallas Stars. Slightly concerning. Um, Kale McCarr was in that draft. He's also been and they passed playing up. in the playoffs. They did pass on him. Yeah. Let's talk some soccer real fast. Um, real quick with the Union. They beat Red Bull New York over the weekend, but then they lost their Open Cup match against Minnesota. Frankly, it might be a good thing at this point. They've got injuries. They've been playing a ton of soccer. Uh, their updated schedule, they, they play at Colorado this weekend. 
But Colorado has their own issues going on uh, that are larger than just their team. And, and there's a couple of these stories this week about gambling problems. Um, you've got Colorado, you've got uh, their winger, Max Alves, is on administrative leave. Uh, there are questions about whether he was tied to 16 people charged, including seven for match fixing. Last year, they said he intentionally got a yellow card uh, 90 seconds after entering the game as a substitute. Uh, he was paid $12,000 to do it. Uh, I guess this isn't surprising given the rise and prevalence of gambling, but what is your thought? Okay, on so how much, how, what is his salary? Do we know what his salary is? Like, if you're going to do something that jeopardizes your entire career and your credibility, and I'm, by the way, I'm not suggesting you do it at all, but if you're going to do it, do you do it for $12,000? He was on a four-year deal with an option for a fifth guaranteed salary of $293,000. So that's what he Here? makes, and he did it for $12,000. Wait, right. did he get $293,000 a year or over four years? Uh, I think it's over. Either either way. Last season, he had a guaranteed salary of 293000 scored twice across all competitions. So, yeah. So, I mean, he's so over four years, he's he's going to have over a million dollars, and he risked it all for $12,000 to get a yellow card. Well, and apparently he connected other people with doing that. Uh, 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 Alves put former Houston Dynamo player Zeka in touch with the organization making the payments. Uh, and he was supposed to take part in match fixing on October 8th, 2022, MLS's decision day. So MLS clearly reacted here. They took the suspension. But, you know, these leagues, you're, you're starting to see this more. We, we've seen some of it in college. We, we talk more about in college baseball. Now, we, now there's an allegation. What? Iowa and, and Iowa State also with investigations. That's after the Alabama coach has been fired. Uh, these leagues are going to have to figure this out because they're embracing gambling but it's clearly a threat to the integrity of their game. And they're going to have to figure out how to make sure that it doesn't enter the locker rooms. They're using a lot of tracking on mobile devices to do it. Mm -hmm. like sort of geolocation. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. And so I'm going to loop back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago about how you said it was stupid that they could, that they were stopping or punishing players for gambling in the locker room. Now, based on what's coming out about these other things and now having to track these things in the locker room, do you still think it's stupid? I, it's or do, not you, that do I, you at least see a little bit more? I why? see it. Yes, there, there's, the, I understand what your issue is with the, the differentiation on and off, but do you see now? Yes, that I the, do. The easiest thing to do is to just track it while they're in the facility and make sure at least it's not happening there. It is easier to give a blanket ban, but also a blanket ban wouldn't stop this guy from taking 12 grand. It's easier to track betting in the wrong location on an app than it is a private payment through a Brazilian soccer group. And that's mm -hmm. what I would be concerned about if I were soccer and other sports is the money that you can't track with a digital footprint. Yes, you can try and you know, geolocate anytime your app is used in a particular athletic location and say that this is a violation. How do you track? Well, how did they track? How did they catch this guy? Uh, it, actually, it was a uh, filing in Brazil. It was court documents. Prosecutors from Golas said that Brazil charged 16 people, including seven soccer players, with match fixing without naming any names. Five of the players were suspended from their clubs in Brazil. And then Alves, one of the people in the documents, who was shown that he was paid, and then he was suspended by MLS. So it wasn't anything that MLS or they did here in the States. He got caught up in a larger match fixing ring over in Brazil, and that's how it was discovered.
So since we're talking about odds, what were the odds that Bob Huggins was not going to get fired for his idiotic statement? I don't understand, Jeff. What, like, I, no, I do understand. All you have to do is show you can win games. The day that Bob Huggins doesn't win games is the day that he's not brought back. He used an anti-gay slur on the air. He admits it. He apologizes for it. He says he's horrified by it. Of course he is. Can, can, I, can I ask you a question? What, what apology did you say? Uh, he put out a statement. Did you hear him apologize? No, he okay, put out a statement my, in writing. But but see, see, do you do you understand where I'm going with yeah. this? Yeah, he, he never said it, the it's, words it's himself. Not, uh, notice, I asked, what apology did you see? Yeah, he had because a staffer like me write one. it and put it out. That's yeah, this is a guy who went on and very very casually, as if this is the way he normally talks, said what he said, and and then hides behind a typewriter. Well, now. What, aging myself a computer to have somebody <laughs> type out a, a an apology he can't go on that same show and apologize he can't come out and, and sit at a table with all the logos behind him and and, and say he's sorry and what he's going to do to educate himself he doesn't Instead, have to he's going to sit there he takes a million dollar pay cut a three-game suspension and sensitivity training just because you don't have to do something doesn't mean that you don't it's right, I agree it's right or you. wrong. And to me, it's always so hard to measure what's in somebody's heart. But what, but what you can do is, is base your assessment on how somebody acts. And if somebody says something hurtful and then is unwilling to come out and apologize for it in the same way they said it, it shows you what's in their heart. And it wasn't in context. He was asked about a situation of throwing rubber penises on the court. He wasn't asked about anything around LGBTQ issues. He decided to respond with that anti-gay insult. That was his mm -hmm. choice. And the punishment doesn't fit what he did, in my opinion. I just did. It just doesn't. And, and the fact... Yeah, wait, till that, we, wait till we find out that boosters are paying the penalty. Too. And the fact that he couldn't say the words, you're exactly right. He had a, a comms person with the university, like, I write statements for people all the time to get them out of hot water. That's, that's what they do. It's what they get paid for. Lots of statements come yeah, out well, of St. Well, John's, too, Jeff. Yeah, well, don't get me started on that. Your I man, to, I don't want to go with Ricky Patino, who, by the yeah, way, got himself the top trans, one of the top transfers out of yeah, Penn. He today. got himself Dingle. He got himself Dingle. Uh, but mm -hmm. St. John's is being sued by their former basketball coach, who they say was fired for cause. He's seeking forty-five million. Uh, the documents say that they had tried to offer him a buyout less than 11 million before the school accused him of fictitious problems within his program and fired him for cause your surprise level, Jeff. Um, I'm not surprised, but I, 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 look, I don't want to get into the lawsuit because I think that it's too hard to argue that they were using the money for one thing that they should have been using it for, for another. Obviously they saved money by not paying one. So they have money to pay someone else. I don't know. I have to look at the lawsuit more. And the bigger problem that I have right now for is for college sports is this NIL stuff. And and yes, I'm about to bring up Michigan, so you can roll it, roll your eyes. But oh, the, the guy number who one left, who basketball player, Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, who after his freshman year said he was going to go pro, after his sophomore year said he was going to go pro, he's now realized he's never going to be an NBA professional. So what he is, what he's doing, and a lot of players are doing, and I'm not begrudging them for doing it. I'm, I'm saying that the system is, is fatally flawed now, that we now have a situation where players are getting paid. They are no, you can no longer call them amateur athletes. It's okay to have NIL money. 
But when players are starting to shop themselves around, they're players, they're not student athletes anymore. Hunter Dickinson left Michigan because, and, and he basically acknowledged some of this stuff the other day, because he got a really good NIL deal with Kansas. Allegedly two years, $4 million. He was pretty candid. Which is more, that, that's which why is he more, did it. If that's true, right. And if that's true, that's more than he would get if he was, if he goes to the NBA, because he'd either be a second round pick with nothing guaranteed, or, or he would be an undrafted free agent and he'd go into the G League or play in Turkey or someplace else, and he wouldn't make that kind of money. But this is the system we now have, is that players, are, the, these players are leaving not just because they're not getting player time, playing time, they're leaving because they can get cash. Yeah, he, pay, he played. It wasn't that he wasn't getting time. Is it he, he, was the, he, he was the best player on, on Michigan for multiple years. He was a, he was a Big Ten uh, first teamer, I think. He, he, was, he was considered a, a preseason All-American. He, he was a really good player who's meant to, you know, some guys are just great college players and not great pros. That was him. That for anybody who watched, oh, we all saw it. But now they're shopping themselves around and just leaving for more money. And I'm not saying players shouldn't get NIL money. I'm saying that, that there has to be a way to do this, that we don't spend every single offseason with players jumping into a portal to see who's going to offer them the most money. Well, for now, that's exactly what's going to happen. And that's not going to change until they, they change the rules. Got about three minutes left, Jeff. I did want to get to a little bit of baseball with you. The Phillies are 18 and 19 as they head out to Colorado, eight and seven over the last five series against tough teams, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Dodgers, Astros. They did shuffle the lineup. Kyle Schwarber is now further down in the lineup, still struggling mightily. Stotts moved up. You know, we when, when they talked about eliminating the shift, all I heard was Schwarber was going to benefit more than anybody in Major League Baseball. And he's worse this season than he was last year. And I texted you the other day. He's become Dave Kingman. It's yeah. home run or strikeout. And I, I know it's 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 jumping a bit, but there's a guy in, in, in minor league baseball. I didn't think you were going to bring this up on the air. I will. And I'm not telling you that he's the answer or he's going to be a star, but you can't have a guy on. I know he, he's he, what is he the PJ Tucker of the Phillies now? Is that what we're going to say? Is that he's basically not? He can't play defense. You can't all. have all these and, guys struggling at once. Trey Turner is struggling. Stott and Bohm have cooled off a little bit. Schwarber has really struggled. Well, Tur Turner Turner's clearly pressing because if you look, they say that his launch angle is up, and that's not his game. No, he's he, blind. I drives. don't need Trey. I don't need Trey Turner to hit home runs. I need him to lead off, get singles, get doubles, get triples, and steal bases and score and play great defense. That's what he's here for. And if he thinks that he's here for home runs, that we don't need that. We will, we will love him just as much if he hits 15 home runs and has 35, 40 doubles, scores 100 runs. But, you know, the bloom's off the rose for the manager, as far as I can tell. You, you put Stott up there, he was successful. You moved him out. I don't know why, but he decided to move him out. Schwarber ended up there for a couple games again. Makes no sense to me at all. What, did he think he was going to jumpstart his 180 average by putting him at the top of the lineup? Like, what was the point there? And why hasn't it been from day one that Trey Turner, our multi-hundred-million-dollar man, 
Why hasn't he been the leadoff hitter since the beginning of the season and just leave him? I I don't know the lineup. I, I don't have a good answer for that. I'm I'm hoping that the pitching settles a little bit with Ranger Suarez coming back. He'll clearly be on a pitch count, but he'll make his debut Saturday. But this team has been leaking oil to start the season. Alvarado goes on the injured list. Uh, you know, it's kind of been a revolving door on the IL, off the IL. But I did want to ask you, should we make our travel plans for next year, get our press passes? The Phillies going to London. To London to play the Mets for two games. Come on, let's do it. Where did they say where they're playing? I did not see. Are they playing it like? I did not see where they're playing. We'll have to look that up. Any final thoughts, Jeff? Uh, uh, you get the tickets. I'll be glad to be there. How's that? Are you paying too? Thanks so much for joining yeah. us. No, no, week. no, no, no. That, that, then you get the tickets. I'll be there. I'll get the <laughs> baseball tickets. You get the airplane and hotel tickets. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your Final weekend word. in style. Ooh. Have a great one. and We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work.